You don't have any Stephen King. You've got the shoe. You mean shiny. Shh. You wanna get sued? It's just your fate. You're that geeky Stephen King kid. There's one of you in every school. Okay, that's him, that's him, that's Kujo, that's Kujo. I was thinking along the lines of no TV and no beer make Homer something, something. Oh, crazy. Don't mind if I do. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King, hosted by two lifelong constant readers. We do non-spoiler and spoiler reviews of King's published work and take a critical look at his film and television adaptations as well. We also discuss the latest King news and check in with each other on our ongoing King obsessions. <laughs> it's the podcast where all things serve the King. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com. You can also like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash TowerJunkiesPod and follow us on Twitter and every other level of social media at Tower Junkies Pod. And if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer for a ridiculous amount of bonus content that I keep spewing onto the Patreon feed <laughs> uh, that's spread across all of obsessiveviewer.com's various podcasts. And on that note, so we have different tiers. I'm not going to go through all of them and everything, but I will say that if you go to obsessiveviewer.com and you hover over the Patreon link on the top row, the top menu, you can go to the, to the different reward tiers and see what content is on each reward tier. So um, yeah, and it's a cascade effect. So if you pledge $10, you get access to everything. If you pay, if you pledge $5, you get access to everything on the $5 and below tiers. $2, you get you know, the $2 tier and $1 tier and $1 tier, you get $1 tier stuff. Um, so yeah, so check that out. Um, yeah, basically if you want to go to the corresponding tier, just go obsessiveviewer.com slash Patreon one or Patreon two or Patreon five, so on and so forth. Cool. Um, okay. So anyway, that's the pitch for Patreon and, uh, I'm one of your hosts, Matt Hurt and joining me today as usual, is someone that I personally would trust with sacred family treasures, but wouldn't want to be trapped on a raft. Uh, trapped on a raft, hunted by a demonic oil patch. It's tiny. <laughs> Hello. How is it going, tiny? It's going pretty good. How are you, buddy? Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Had a little health scare with the little kitty. Yeah, okay. Um, which is detailed in in uh, in in horrific detail yes, and harrowing detail, dramatic detail. Yes, on Patreon. Mm -hmm. uh, so patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. And yeah, um, uh, could you do, um, yeah. Oh, I didn't um, even see what fell over. Oh yeah. Uh, just a cereal box. We have cereal boxes on the table to keep pizza from jumping onto the podcasting table. And, uh, yeah. And I don't think that that would, uh, affect the sound or anything. Um, Except for when it falls over. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah. So that, that I, I'm glad you're doing well, Tiny. Yeah, you too. Yeah, thank you. And pizza's all better. Um, yes, and pizza is all better. For everyone that's wondering from social media and everything, um, still do the candlelight visual, vigils because I think pizza <laughs> really likes the attention. Um, but uh, I am here to say that she is doing fine. Um, yes. So today on the podcast, Tiny... We are continuing our series of episodes covering all or most 
Things Creep Show. Mm-hmm. Yes, and in the second installment of our six episode series, we're covering 1987's Creep Show sequel titled Creep Show 2, uh, directed by Michael Gornick and written by George A. Romero with stories by Stephen King. So, this is an interesting. An interesting one, and we'll do news and check-ins here in a second, but it's interesting because this this episode or this 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 is kind of a looser fit than we usually do. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm I'm kind of uh I, I don't know, I feel like I'm prefacing the uh the review for that uh for a specific reason, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh it'll be interesting. But before we get into our discussion of Creepshow 2, Tiny, we've got some Stephen King news and check-ins. Yep. Um, I will start with some news. Um, so going back to last week's episode, which this is kind of a fun behind-the-scenes thing, we are recording this the day that the previous episode was released. So I just like that we're this far ahead. <laughs> um, so it's exciting. Yeah. Um, and also this... Uh, this month, September is, uh, this, this month, I don't, I don't want to say how recent it is in ter- or how, how, how frequent it is that we do this, but in terms of obsessive viewer podcast and tower junkies podcast anthology still kind of on hiatus, but in terms of obsessive viewer and tower junkies, we had in September episodes each week for those two podcasts. Um, hmm. So I'm very proud of that. Sweet. Yeah. So, um, okay. So the first piece of Stephen King news that I have is that the red screen short story, Humble Bundle, exclusive for charity to benefit the ACLU sale has ended. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to just kind of give the figures and everything. Um, So uh, the bundle was live from September 9th, 2021 to September 23rd, 2021, which if you're not aware, basically Humble Bundle hosted the sale for an exclusive Stephen King short story called Red uh, Red Screen. And basically you could pay what you want and all of the money would benefit or goes to benefit the ACLU. And we talked about it in a previous episode, the short story, and as as well, I posted a review of it on Patreon, and that Patreon recording is actually free to everyone. So if you go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer, uh, you might have to click a tab that says free Patreon, um, and then you'll, uh, you'll get access to that recording. Um, so without paying anything. So yeah. Anyway, so the bundle was live like it was it was on sale september 9th to september 23rd um i'll just tell you the figures um a total of 19,264 copies were sold it wow. was a digital ebook <laughs> 19 Nin- yes oh my god <laughs> i didn't even make that connection yeah. nice <laughs> very nice <laughs> and uh the amount raised was $149,852.15. Damn. So that is just so awesome. Yeah. Uh, so good job, Stephen King fans. Mm-hmm. Um, ourselves included. Or myself included. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So so that's exciting. I was very, very, ha- very uh, proud of the Stephen King um, fan community. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, really, I think that that might be all the news that I have. Okay. Um, yeah, because I, I kind of want to really get to this episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> but as far as check-ins are concerned, uh, do you have any, Tiny? I do. Oh, oh, nice. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. 
Kind of. I mean, oh, I do. Okay. I do. Sure. Yeah, it's just not that cool. Okay. <laughs> um, why don't you go ahead and hit me with your check-in? Okay, well, I listened to the uh, latest episode of KingCast. Okay, nice. Uh, and it was, um, it's noteworthy because it was um, uh, Matt Fraction, the uh, comic book author. Oh, yes. Um, he's been involved in all kinds of different franchises. Oh, yeah, and they talked about the drawing of the three. They talked about the drawing of okay. the three. Um, so, I think it's... Might be their longest episode to date. Wow, it was like almost two and a half hours, um, and it kind of evolved. So Matt Fraction at the moment has mm. only read through Wastelands. Oh, that's interesting. He's only read the first three books. Okay, um, but he had so much knowledge of the Dark Tower. Oh, really? He's a huge Stephen King fan. Interesting. Just referencing so many other properties, and mm-hmm. um, he adores eleven twenty two sixty three. Nice. Um, but the, the the conversation evolved kind of into like a general Dark Tower discussion. Okay. And just really got kind of like set me like kind of gave me the itch. Uh-huh. Really wanted yeah. to read those books because mm-hmm. it's been so long since I've read them, and mm-hmm. we've been talking about it lately. So. <laughs> I highly recommend that episode because Matt Fraction is a really bright guy and mm-hmm. like his some of his takes on the 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 general uh, I don't know just kind of the, the the general tone and feel of of uh the Dark Tower is are really good takes and um he's just got a lot of personal you know he's a writer himself mm-hmm. so he's got a lot of experience in that department and uh yeah, just again, his depth of knowledge is amazing. Like he nice. he read the Dark Tower, you know, years and years and years and years and years ago, mm-hmm. and now he's uh, or he read the Gunslinger, I think, mm-hmm. and so now he's I don't know he's he's kind of ebbed and flowed out of being a King fan, but like okay, I don't know he he it's it's kind of interesting in that regard, mm-hmm. but he's I, I was just blown away by by his take on stuff. Nice. So, yeah, I, I recommend that for Tower fans. Very cool. Dark Tower fans, yeah. Um. So, yeah, so you're saying that if you want to listen to a podcast involving someone named Matt talk about Stephen <laughs> King, listen to that episode of KingCast. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um. But I did want to ask you, Tiny, so since it is, and this might go into a bigger conversation about your uh, listening habits with podcasts and stuff, and we covered mm-hmm. that in depth in Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, definitely earn that dollar a month. <laughs> um, so, um, but, uh, when you listen to that, since it is the longest episode, um, and I know that you worked a lot today, I assumed you listened to it today. Mm-hmm. Um, did you listen to it all in one go or did you listen to it in fractions? <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Pretty much all in one go. Okay. Yeah. You don't yeah. need to answer. It's okay. joke landed. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good though. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Definitely recommend it. Um, yeah. And in other Stephen King podcast, um, <laughs> Stephen King podcast corners, um, a uh, friend of the show, Kim C at the year of underrated Stephen King has mm-hmm. begun her, uh, deep dive into the green mile. Nice. Which makes me really want to listen to the green mile. <laughs> yeah. I've never read it either. Yeah. And yeah. she's doing it, uh, section by section with the serialized format. Nice. So I'm very, uh, like I have it downloaded from audible to listen to. Um, and I will eventually, but I'm still also listening to under the dome. And then I also, we, we're going to need it like in the next month or so to uh to do dream catcher <laughs> mm, yeah um yeah that's fine i'll do that i mean i 
I've actually read that and seen the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not great, but mm-hmm. it's, I kind of like it actually. Yeah. I, I listened to it, I think last year and I just, I don't, it was one of those things where it was like, I was not engaged by yeah. it. Right. Um, and I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I believe we saw it in the theater together. I think so. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So neat. So I'm not like dreading that at all. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll be more upbeat. <laughs> um yeah it should be fun guys totes yeah yeah uh totally radical donnie Wahlberg. yeah oh yeah he's in it he is um yeah uh yeah and so and i also want to do uh colorado kid and joyland joyland yes yeah i need i haven't read either of those either, yes so. which kim c is interested in joining us for a discussion on sweet that. So, so yeah so we will do those soon uh do you have any other check-ins I don't, but well, I'm oh. reading a book right now, but it's not Stephen King. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm reading uh, Chaos by Tom O'Neill. It's about, mm. um, I'm sure you've, I think you've heard of it. It's it's about like uh, a, this journalist who was going to do an anniversary article on like the Manson killings and, oh. and like just did a deep dive into it and took like 20 years to research it Jeez. and like found out all this crazy shit. And so he wrote mm. this book about the Manson killings and how like, it ties into all these other things and like the CIA got involved mm-hmm. and it's a really, really good. So about halfway through it, it's really good so far. Really? Yeah. I, I, I recommend it. I mean, I, I don't really, I never knew much about, um, mm-hmm. the, the, um, the Tate LaBianca killings. Like mm-hmm. I never just, I, it just never piqued my interest for whatever reason. Um, wow. so it's been really interesting to kind of deep dive into that and get all those details. Uh, it's really, really shocking. Um, that wow, that sounds really interesting. I'm looking at it on Audible. Um, uh, my next credit, I'm getting a credit next week. I might use it on that. Um, it's yeah, it's I'm, yeah. I highly recommend it. It's really interesting so far. Nice, and it's told from like a like a first person like. So I was interviewing oh, this guy. Yeah, it's very, it's it's kind of a fresh take mm-hmm. or like a, a fresh format. I don't typically in the nonfiction I read doesn't have that format. So okay, it was uh, it's kind of oh. cool. Um. Nice. Yeah, I, I recommend it. It's cool. Sweet. On yeah. that note, I would recommend checking out Chasing the Boogeyman by uh, uh Richard Chismar. Okay. Um because it is a it is an interesting kind of metafiction kind of thing, but it's basically about uh he, he's he's like the main character. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like like teenage version of Rich in his small town when murders happen. Hmm. And so it's very compelling. It's very interesting. And, uh, yeah. And Richard Chismar is a good dude. He does, uh, he like runs cemetery dance publications. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, uh, and he wrote, uh, he, he wrote the Gwendy trilogy with, uh, with King. Well, he wrote Gwendy's button box with King and then Gwendy's magic feather, which is his own novel okay. in that universe. And then in February, uh, they're teaming up again to do uh, Gwendy's final task. Yeah, I've heard of those. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's coming out in February, and I'm thinking that maybe we could, since they're all pretty short, maybe we can, like, read all three and then do, like, a do like a, a trilogy episode. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, totally. we'll see. But I think after, after I finish this book, um, uh, Chaos by Tom mm-hmm. O'Neill, I'd like to, maybe I'll do Joylander. Okay. Kid, so we can nice. do that episode with Kim. Hell yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, like Colorado Kid, I think is like three hours. Right, I was gonna yeah. say they're not very long. Yeah, so awesome. Yeah, I will have to reach out to her, and um, if she's not annoyed by us yet, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, 
that's going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. Should I go into my check-ins? Yes. Okay. So I have a few check-ins. One is that um, just nerd stuff. Um, I uh, bought a hardcover copy of Mr. Mercedes. Oh, cool. Yeah. And um, again, I didn't bring it off the shelf to show you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but this is this is a completionist thing for me. Mm-hmm. So I owned... I don't know what the circumstances were of that, but I, I, oh, I think I owned the Kindle version hmm. and then I bought Finders Keepers when it came out in hardcover and End of Watch when it came out in hardcover. And so I never owned the hardcover of Mr. Mercedes. And so on my shelf, I have like two, the two second and third books of a trilogy in hardcover. <laughs> yeah. And the first one isn't to be seen. So I finally bought Mr. Mercedes in hardcover, so I'm excited about that. Cool. And also, um, I have been watching Chapel Wait. Yeah, you're liking that, right? I am. And okay, so another pitch for the pod or for the Patreon guys. I'm sorry to be to be shilling for that, but <laughs> um at the two dollar level I do TV reaction reviews and everything. So I'm currently doing episode by episode reviews of Foundation on Apple TV Plus. Next month I'm going to do Invasion on Apple TV Plus, and I'm currently doing Chapel Wait. I also did Lisey's story and some other stuff. I actually have on Patreon a tag where um if you join Patreon and then and then click the click the Stephen King tag, everything that's related to Stephen King will show up. So mm. it's a filter for that. Okay. So anyway, Chapel Wait, <laughs> I'm really really enjoying and I'm excited because as of this recording, I'm completely caught up. Like, there's been seven episodes that have aired. Nice. And so, for those who don't know, Chapel Wait is based on the uh, the uh, on the Jerusalem's Lot short story in Night Shift, which is a prequel of sorts to Salem's Lot. It's about a man who inherits a, a man in 1850 who inherits a mansion in Preacher's Corners, Maine, which is adjacent to Jer- Jerusalem's Lot, and. Uh, some crazy stuff happens. So cool. Uh, yeah. So the show stars Adrian Brody. I know I mentioned it last week because uh, one of the news items was that the showrunners of that show um, are were talking about how they wanted to do. Uh, Sometimes they come back. Anyway, um, this show is really interesting because it is such a gothic horror kind of aesthetic, and it is just it is so so extreme in a, in a manageable way with the body horror. Hmm. And what I love about it is that the story doesn't really have much connection to Salem's lot in structure or content or anything. But what the show is doing is it is, it is, it's, it's improving upon the, the story in that it is, it's expanding the story. So like in, in the short story, it's just the man at the, at the mansion, but in the show, he has three children who they recently lost, uh, their mother. So like, or hmm. like at the start of it, his, his wife passed away. And so they're all grieving and everything. So there's, there's some interesting elements there, but, um, <laughs> there's this mystery element, this, this, this horror element that is like, is is more directly linked to Salem's Lot, I guess. I hope that's not too spoilery, but mm-hmm. it's just so interesting to me how they are melding 
you know, Jerusalem's Lot, the short story with the Salem's Lot pop culture thing, mm-hmm. like the thing that's very famous about Salem's Lot. So it's just, it's an interesting thing. It's not like, it's not to the level of like Mike Flanagan just blowing everyone away with Dr. Sleep. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, it is, it is very strong in and of itself. So cool. Okay. Yeah. So I'm really liking it. Um, yeah. And you can listen to me talk about it um, each episode on Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Cool. Um, yes. I just dropped my phone. Oh, don't do that. Okay, so um, uh, I don't think I really have any other check-ins, Okay, um, except that uh, one of my friends from the IFJA uh, tweeted today that uh, it was, um, where was it? Oh, it might have been on my other, no, it wasn't, it was it? Yeah, it was. Um, he tweeted at me that... Uh, uh, he said, "You guys got to cover Creepshow three. <laughs> oh shit! And I uh, we're we're not. <laughs> There's no plans to cover Creepshow three. Okay, we're going to do Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, instead of Creepshow three for this review series. Okay, for reasons that will become apparent uh, later, or if you already know the history, you know. Um, so I think that that is all the check ins I have. Mm-hmm. Um." Shall we go on to our review of Creepshow 2? Yes. All right, cool. So I'm going to actually play a clip from the trailer at the start of this, um, because I actually got two clips from the trailer for it. So here is our intro into the... (laughs) This should have been seamless, but (laughs) here's our intro into the review for Creepshow 2. they got to make me a movie star. But if you only make it to one scary film all year, make it one you remember all year long. (laughs) Creepshow 2. You like movies that will keep you stuck to your chair. Stephen King and George Romero have conjured up an all-new Creepshow. No! It's impossible! Just for you. All right, so Creepshow 2 was released on May 1st, 1987. And the IMDb plot summary is three more bone-chilling tales that include a vengeful wooden Native American, a monstrous blob in a lake, and a hitchhiker who wants revenge and will not die. (laughs) Uh, The movie was directed by Michael Gornick and written by George Romero with stories by uh, Stephen King. And a couple of little – or one little piece of trivia – um, about this uh, this movie is that it was originally intended to have five segments like the previous one. Hmm. Um, but for uh, budgetary reasons, two, uh, two of them were uh, scrapped. And uh, one, I don't know anything about the about one of them called it's called Pinfall. I, I don't know anything about that. okay. But the other one was Cat from Hell which is based on the short story that King wrote in 1977, but wasn't collected until just after sunset in like 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, and that short story was adapted, later adapted um, for Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. Okay. So I'm very curious uh, to see how that turned out. Cool. Because it's an interesting story. So, Tiny, as we established last week, you have seen Creepshow, mm-hmm. had seen Creepshow, mm-hmm. and this viewing of Creepshow that we did for this podcast specifically reinvigorated your love for Creepshow. Yeah. 
And yeah, so and and mine too. It is it is probably going to be a staple. It's just it's so fun, cheesy, um, fun, campy, fun. Mm-hmm. So Creep Show Two, Tiny. Yeah. <laughs> This movie is considerably shorter. It, mm-hmm. I think it clocks in at, at about 90 minutes. Yeah. And it, like I said, it has three segments. Um, overall thoughts. How did you feel about Creepshow 2? Kind of in broad terms, and then we can go segment by segment and then do a spoiler section. Um, man, I feel like it is such a huge shift in tone. Um, and, and as you mentioned and, and I mentioned in the first episode, the tone kind of makes the first movie mm-hmm. The you know, that we talked about all the campiness and the over the top cheesiness, fun, fun stuff, tongue in cheek, like blatant comedy mm-hmm. in, in some of the segments in the first one. Um, uh, a lot, that fun is like almost entirely missing from the second movie. Yeah. And it's, it, I'm sure there's multiple reasons why, but, um, this one felt so quick and so rushed and mm-hmm. it, it didn't have, it didn't seem to weave from segment to segment fluidly like the first movie did, right. and um, the, uh, the 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 frame story mm-hmm. was nowhere near as satisfying. Yeah, and um, the comic book feel was missing. Mm-hmm. I don't know about missing, but it was much less emphasized than the well, first movie. Yeah, in, instead of the comic book imagery and everything, it's like they they. They decided not to go with that, which is which in and of itself is a mistake, just out yeah. of mistake, because that was so essential to the feel and the tone of the first movie. Mm-hmm. But what they do instead is this like 2D animation thing yeah. that it I think it kind of it I it kind of works or it would work. It would heighten the tone of a better of a of a better collection of stories i mm-hmm. would say but having the knowledge and having the memory of a comic book feel in the previous movie and to go to this which is like a kind of a twisted like disney animated thing mm-hmm. in 2d animation it's just it just doesn't work for me yeah and it it was just such a downer um it felt hollow yeah oh yeah, yeah. and it also felt directionless like yeah it felt like because that first movie has the frame story with Joe Hill, young Joe Hill, mm-hmm. and his father screaming at him and everything. Yeah, and like that frame story is good, but like this one is like a kid getting a news, getting getting his copy of Creepshow, right? When it, it, right off the truck, and I don't know, yeah, yeah, and like we had the creep in in makeup, which that was Tom Savini, right? Um, which that was cool, but mm-hmm. it just it didn't work for me. <laughs> yeah, and it it weaves in this. Uh, the frame story in the end kind of weaves in this whole uh, um, bully aspect. And, oh, yeah. And, Honestly, I completely forgot about that. Okay. Yeah. And, like, that's, I think that's that's in keeping with the tone of Creepshow, but mm-hmm. it's it didn't feel earned because it just kind of came out of nowhere towards oh, yeah. the end. Yeah, because um, the bullies aren't even established until, like, halfway through the movie, yeah, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. And he... um the killer plant thing mm-hmm. was cool. And I liked oh, that. Yeah. Sure. But, but again, it didn't, it didn't, um, that was some fun come up and it's kind of like mm-hmm. the, uh, the voodoo doll at the end of the first one yeah. was so fun. And, and mm-hmm. I think it, it, it felt pretty similar, uh, in, in this one with the, the killer plants, but mm-hmm. it, it wasn't as earned because we weren't as invested in it. Yeah. But, it, uh, yeah, I, I think that that would have been, that would have made for a more interesting 
other segment of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also probably would have been interesting because uh, it would have been kind of in keeping with the previous movie, like kind of a spiritual successor to the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill. Right. Um, yeah. But and yeah. Visually, it's so different too. Cause again, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, like the, um, the transition and the wipes that we talked about in the first, yeah. the first movie where the whole had that comic book feel and mm-hmm. were, were just presented and through that lens of, of a yeah. comic book, this did not have that. Not at all. I mean, it, yeah. it, it had it, but it didn't feel, mm-hmm. Um, it, it didn't feel, uh, genuine. It was, it didn't, it felt, yeah. it felt out of place. It wasn't natural. Like it right. was in the first movie. It, it felt very just tacked on. Yeah. And just, it, it, yeah. Right. Yep. It's, uh, that was, it, that was such a bummer. And what sucks is that that's, I mean, that's the framing narrative. That's the frame right. story. That's the thing that we keep coming back to th- in between each segment. And mm-hmm. like, that needs to be something, you know, compelling or interesting. Yeah. And, and like I think yeah. it was hurt by the fact that there's only three segments and so there's not as True. much of it. Yeah. But the, I I don't think more of it would have saved it. Yeah, I I yeah. agree. I think the movie as a whole was just kind of a complete mess. Right. Um I don't know if it's cuz Romero wasn't involved. Yeah, well he wrote it but he Oh, didn't he wrote right. it, right? He didn't yeah. direct it. Yeah. And I I don't know because I I believe I want to say that the director came from Tales from the Dark Side, the show. And so that makes me a little curious about Tales from the Dark Side of the movie, which we haven't watched yet, but we're covering it next week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, um, I don't know. It's it's just it's something that I really um, I I just feel like that. Okay, he did not direct Tales from the Dark Side of the movie, so there's that. But um, but I know that he did direct uh, episodes of of Tales from the Dark Side of the show. But anyway. I, I don't know if that is a problem with the writing or the directing mm-hmm. or a mix of both because – and we can go into the first segment here in a second. But I felt like the pacing for a 90-minute movie, this movie did nothing for me in terms of pacing. I, yeah. I did not have – like on one hand, yes, I did not have that like edge of my seat, fun environment, atmosphere, fun experience that I had with Creepshow 1. Mm-hmm. But I also uh, did not have a, uh, like, I did not feel like I was, I did not feel an intensity with it. Yeah, Um, yeah. Like, I honestly, I started this movie one night, and I got about five minutes into it, and I was like, like, it was like that scene in The Simpsons where they're watching Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie, and they see the sign that says uh, Fireworks Factory um, up ahead, and Milhouse says... When are they going to get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> That's how I felt throughout like the first segment of this movie. Like when are they going to get to the horror stuff? When are they going to get to the to the like wooden Indian stuff or, or I agree. Yeah, it just felt so and like that's the that's the lead-off story. Yeah, it's just It was a slog. Yeah. Like so, there's all this yeah. the financial problems, the store mm. owner, I don't care. We, we didn't need half I of the stuff. Didn't need that character development yeah. at all. Yeah. And like, do you want to get into talking about that? By yeah. the way? I'll Could've... introduce that segment. Yeah. Um it's it's the segment is called Old Chief Woodenhead. It's an original story that was written for the film. And uh that's all the intro I have. <laughs> um I will say that George Kennedy uh, is the star of it, and mm-hmm. I had recently seen him in an episode of Wings from like the nineties. Oh yeah, um, yeah, because he was he was playing himself, who he was in the airport movies, I think. Mm. Um, anyway, so, um, 
yeah, this segment, man, I, I, there's like three different things that are happening before <laughs> any supernatural or horror stuff happens. Right. And that's like the town is, it's kind of turning into a ghost town. The proprietor of the, this like antique store or whatever, or general store is struggling on hard times, or he is, he is, um, helping out. He has a good heart that he's helping out with, um, native Americans who, who, uh, have like are in debt to him for whatever reason Mm -hmm. and can't pay, uh, like, like the guy, the head of, of one of the tribes comes and gives him, uh, like some sacred jewelry or something, uh, that that I guess is collateral Mm -hmm. for a debt that he has. Yeah. And like, it's just weird because, like, like I think, like, okay, this is an anthology horror movie. This, this is going to have some special property. This is going to be like the Twilight Zone element of the episode, and it's not. It's like, yeah, it has some bearing in the plot later, but it's more like a, it's, it's just a, a secondary thing. It's an afterthought. Yeah, it's just, it's so weird. That's where the segment should have started. Is that, yeah, the the head of the Native American mm-hmm. tribe coming in. Yeah. To give him the jewelry. Yeah. And I think that's a good end. That's, mm-hmm. we did not need anything before that. No, we really didn't. Yeah. And I like, mean, it's, yeah. If, if the story that they were telling, the old Chief Woodenhead story, if that was, if that was the only segment and this wasn't an anthology movie and this was like, that's the whole movie is this, then yeah, spend, spend some time building up the atmosphere, building up the backstory and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's short fiction. It's an anthology film. Like, right. Get to the fun stuff. Get to the horror stuff. Yep. And and then things progress where we won't spoil it yet, but there's a robbery. And the stuff that is even in the title of the story does not happen until like <laughs> three minutes until the end of that segment. Yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, I like I, I like mm-hmm. the idea a lot of the story and. Mm-hmm. The fun stuff that you keep talking about, I thought it was really fun and I liked it a lot. Yeah. But it's it's so quick and mm-hmm. it's it's such a small like you're saying, such a small part of the segment. Yeah. It's it feels like such an oversight. Like so much yeah. of the story was fluff. And, and it's in such contrast to the tone of the actual story of it. Like yeah. the robbery. Like there like that is some like heavy stuff. Right. And that is like just that's some kind of dark stuff. And the absence of of comedy to that like this could have been like a dark comedy um and everything but they didn't have any comedy there right and so when we have like this super intense or kind of silly in t- in terms of like it like it was in the trailer um uh how the how one of the robbers wants to go to hollywood and, and be an actor because he has yeah. long hair it's like okay fucking <laughs> shut up just stop i, I kind of like i thought mm. it was fun over the top i kind of liked it sure um holt mccallamy that mm-hmm. kind of i i'm a fan of him as an actor okay um, i don't know if i've seen him in anything yeah you've seen him before he's a oh, character okay. actor he was in mm. fight club um, oh okay yeah and he's in that um oh gosh i have it's been off the air or it's been uh on hiatus for a while the uh serial killer show on netflix um oh mind hunter mind hunter oh okay. he's on that yeah he's really good in that hmm. um but yeah, he's I, I don't know if he has any Native American oh, yeah. heritage, but he seems pretty white. Mm-hmm. Um I, I don't so I don't I'm sure there's some uh controversy there, but uh yeah. but yeah, he's he's kind of over the top and ridiculous, and so I sort of liked what they did with his character. Sure. Um but 
again, it's it took way too long to get there. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and it was just, oh, it was it was not good. It was yeah. just not not good. And like I said, that that whole that whole thing that that whole the contrast of it because the the big finale of it is just it's silly it's crazy yeah it's something that i was into yeah or i would have been into if that was the tone of the whole segment mm-hmm. but it wasn't and it just felt right i don't know it just it 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 was frustrating yeah um but ultimately the the you know the wooden chief coming to life and right and killing the guy that was fun as shit that's, and I really that's what liked i'm talking that. about yeah the, the, that's the fun stuff yeah that's the fun but stuff, like the yeah. fact that that's three minutes of a like right five minute segment exactly that's the problem is so frustrating yeah so frustrating yep um yeah yeah and i have stuff that i'll talk about in spoilers with that just briefly but okay um any other thoughts on uh that segment <laughs> not really no okay no. Yeah, uh, yeah, it wasn't wasn't to my liking, and it just sucks that that's the lead off. That's the yeah, opening of it. Right, so, right. So yeah, old Chief Woodenhead, not a fan of that segment. Mm-hmm. Um, just I, uh, it 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 establishes that the movie is going to be kind of a tonal mess. Yeah. And so the next segment um, is the raft, and <laughs> I was particularly excited about this. Yeah. Um. Specifically because it is based on a short story by King called The Raft, which was published in Skeleton Crew. And uh, before that, it was previously first published as a booklet that was included with Gallery in 1982, in November 1982. So, that's neat. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I had read the story in Skeleton Crew, and... Uh, I liked it, uh, and and I I enjoyed it. So I was very curious how it was going to be adapted. And this segment was uh, was quite a bit better. I think that kind of all told, I do think that this is the strongest segment in the movie of the three. Um, I guess, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I do find it interesting because it's this movie was made in 1987, and this seems this seems more playful than any of the other segments yeah and it seems that way like what i love about that is that it is playing up the slasher archetypes of the horny college kids yeah like you know that are gonna are lambs to the slaughter Mm -hmm. so i i like that as a piece of kind of pop culture homage i guess um yeah, so I don't know. How do you feel about the raft? You have not read the short story. I haven't. Okay, I haven't. Um, but yeah, I I I liked it. Okay, I thought it mm-hmm. was I thought it was fun. It had the it had like you were saying, kind of the a lot of the horror tropes in it, mm-hmm. the horny horny teenage kids kind yeah. of thing. Um, they're smoking smoking joints and stuff. Yeah. It's classic playing mm-hmm. their music loud, muscle mm-hmm. car. Um, and it also had the <laughs> the like cheap nineteen fifties B movie monster yes it's it's like a fucking tarp they just put in the it's <laughs> yes. it's so low budget and ridiculous but like yeah it just kind it, it kind of works it does it does it, it just really works does. yeah it's kind of nuts I, you know what's funny is i did not make that connection to like cheesy b-movie monster 50s yeah b-movie monster like, like the it, blob yeah, yeah yeah right and uh and and i like the blob right <laughs> and like creature from the black lagoon i guess yeah a little bit um yeah, yeah i did not think of that because i kept thinking of it as a very interesting stephen kingy spin on jaws mm. um and it's just it was really it was really kind of interesting and fun for me um 
Yeah. And, and just, and, but it also was still a, a little too cheesy. Like yeah. it wasn't like Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill cheesy or anything. It was like, it was like, okay, character motivations are not really connecting that well <laughs> cheesy. Right, right. <laughs> like it was, it was, it was really, again, tonally inconsistent and a yeah. little bit of a mess in terms of tone. Right. Yeah, definitely not in keeping with the the first movie, but still pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. Does it make you interested in, li- in, in reading the short story? Uh, for sure. Yeah, nice. definitely. Because nice. I'd be curious to see King's tone on it. You know, yeah. What kind yeah. of tone he applies to it. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a lot of fun as a short story, and I really did have fun with the, um, with the segment in the movie as much fun as I could. Yeah, um, I think it's also the shortest of the three, maybe. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the numbers are, but yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. I like kind of on a brief tangent, but um, you mentioned like yeah, the teenagers and ever like all the tropes of the che- teenagers and stuff. And like you mentioned the muscle car thing and like, yeah, that is, that is such a teenager trope. And yeah. like, I don't know where, I don't know where that came from. And like, I'm like in my head, I'm thinking like, do, do like teenagers now, do they have like muscle cars and stuff <laughs> or. I don't know. Probably yeah. not. They're probably, probably more not. into like Priuses and shit. Yeah. I yeah. I think of uh, the scene from 21, 21 Jump, Jump Street. Street. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're talking about the gas mileage of the muscle car. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember like one kid at our I, our high school had like a muscle car, yeah. a Nova. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, just e- every trope. The one dude is like a horny jock kind of guy, yeah. and but he has the more straight laced smart friend. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just every trope. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It felt like it felt like a parody. It it felt like Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Like it felt like that level of just a bit of a send up. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I I do think that it is like I said the strongest segment, um, even though the next segment I've, I've had its had its qualities, but I had some personal just kind of like I don't know we'll talk about that. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, this segment was was a lot of fun. I thought that the the way that I, I do think that it, there was a failing in terms of demonstrating how trapped they were because for those who are listening to this and haven't watched it, the raft is about. Um, Horny teenagers or horny horny college kids who drive to a small uh, lake and uh, swim out to a raft that's out in the middle of the lake, and they find a demonic oil patch thing monster that sticks to them and kills them and devours them. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like a stranded at sea thing on a very small scale. Um but what I think was a failing of the segment in terms of the movie and everything and, and movie making, filmmaking, is I don't think it demonstrated how trapped they were in that, like, there were moments where I was like, they could, they could maybe make it if they swam. Right. <laughs> At least one of them, one of the, like, clearly, like, jock archetype guys yeah. could, could, like, dive in, swim, get to the car, and get, get help, I guess. But, yeah. And then there was one one section of it that I was like, oh, where did this, like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, could we save that for spoilers? Sure. We? Okay, yeah. we'll save that for spoilers, but yeah. that, that was, it struck me as a little odd. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Right. Um, yeah. So, um, any, any other thoughts on the raft? We're kind of breezing through this yeah, movie. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. Well, it's kind of how the movie was. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> no, that's about it. Okay. Well, that, yeah, that's our, those are our thoughts on the raft and non-spoilers. Well, we yeah. will return <laughs> to it in spoilers. Mm-hmm. So the third and final segment of this movie is The Hitchhiker, which was an original story written for the film. And like I said at the start, um, like the kind of the premise or, or the plot summary, the, um, the marketing of this is that, you know, it's based on stories by Stephen King or, or, you know, Stephen King is responsible for the stories of it, but it's written by George Romero. And so I'm kind of curious how much input King had on the hitchhiker because Mm -hmm. it is, it's a story about a woman who is, uh, having an affair and leaves from a tryst to get home before her husband comes home and sees a hitchhiker, um, well, hits a hitchhiker. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the hitchhiker keeps haunting her on her drive home. Yeah. And so I I found that, in, like, the reason why I ask if uh, how much King had input on this is that there's something, as I've been going through, and I've talked about it before, as I've been going through Stephen King's short fiction, I ha- I'm seeing so many parallels to um, to the Twilight Zone. Totally. Yes. And especially because with anthology, shout out anthologypod.com, um, I'm dissecting anthology. I'm dissecting the Twilight Zone as as deeply as I can. Mm-hmm. And so all of this is really in my head. And there's an episode of the Twilight Zone <laughs> called The Hitchhiker. Oh, okay. Um, where it is uh, um, a woman uh, uh, is driving cross country and... Um, sees a hitchhiker, does not, uh, pick him up, but then he keeps appearing on, on, in the road later and later and seems to be beckoning her toward death. Um, very good episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in season one of the Twilight Zone, but I'm, I'm finding so many parallels with Stephen King's work and the Twilight Zone. Not to say that he's ripping off Rod Serling, not by any stretch. He's mm-hmm. just heavily influenced by it. And yeah. one of the things that I love and adore about it is that King puts his own unique spin on these ideas that, um, the, the broad ideas that uh, were uh, kind of previously examined in the Twilight Zone. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe there's like a Patreon series that I can do about right. that. Um, we'll see down the road. But um, so. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the hitchhiker is uh, interesting. How did you feel about this segment in non-spoilers, Mister Tiny? I think this is my favorite one. Nice. Um, I, be, because it feels very Twilight Zoney. Mm. I, I I think the. Uh, I guess it's not really established what the intentions are of the hitchhiker. Mm-hmm. Uh, why he's stalking like what his ultimate goal is i guess that's, uh, that's a little iffy i i'll actually softly disagree with you okay um he is i think he's looking for revenge to to because because uh his whole thing is like you ran me you killed me um <laughs> right but he just he just keeps thanking her for a ride oh yeah that's right that's what he says it's, yeah yeah he's like thanks for the ride which i think is cool oh yeah i kind of like that but then he has these he's clearly stalking her and like trying to get to her the whole time but he just keeps saying thanks for the ride lady and stuff yeah. like that i thought that was kind of cool actually mm. but um it's I, creepy. I i feel like if it was a twilight zone episode the hitchhiker would have just kept showing up mm-hmm. like and you don't really know what his intentions are and he wouldn't right. be quite so attack focused yeah. I, I but I, I really like I, I loved I kind of love this one I kind of I don't know about love but I really like mm. the tone of it and nice. um I think it's it's the best t- 
tonally the best one in, of, of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the affair and mm-hmm. I didn't really need it. I mean, yeah. I, especially all the dialogue between those two. Yeah. And then she's having this like one-sided conversation towards mm-hmm. the beginning where she's like, Oh, uh, talking about the damage to the car. Oh, and she's yeah. like, Oh, that's going to cost another $4,000. And right. And like, I don't, I don't know. She's, it's like, she's, I, I didn't really get that. And it was yeah. really laborious it, and just it was. dumb. And I don't know why. It, I think they were just trying to make it long, make it a longer segment. Like, yeah. Because there's only three of the damn things in this movie. Right. Um, there, there's a lot of that in, mm-hmm. in, each, in all three of these segments where I think they're just trying to stretch it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought yeah. that was all really clunky and didn't work. But once... You know, once the, the once she hits him and mm-hmm. kills him, um, yeah. it's it's really from there. I really enjoyed it and thought okay. it was thought it was well done, and really good. Nice, yeah, yeah. I can I can definitely get on board with that. I agree. It it is it is very in terms of style, like stylistically, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's where the effects makeup is is at its strongest, obviously. And there's some really really fun and spooky um encounters with him mm-hmm. um so i did like that also it is the segment that has the king cameo which is pretty mm-hmm. cool yep and i but i kind of couldn't divorce myself from this the twilight zone connection because the twilight zone episode had a very clear ending and, and very very satisfying kind of resolution so i don't know I, I i shouldn't put that to its detriment or anything but um, I will just say that I do agree that he, that the, the movie does spend way too much time with her, with her and with the affair. It kind of feels like it's, it's, it's maybe paying homage to the beginning of Psycho, maybe, um, mm, yeah. a little bit, but also I'm just like, I, I don't need that. Just give me the, give me the horror stuff. I don't know if I want to give it that much credit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's something. It's I don't know. I and I did think it was very I thought it was effective and creepy that he kept asking or saying thank you for the ride and everything. Yeah. yeah. That was pretty cool. That was mm-hmm. pretty good. Um so this was your favorite segment. Any other thoughts yeah. on it? No, I, I think no, I don't think so. Okay, cool. Yeah, I don't really have any other thoughts on it. Um before we get into spoilers, what is your letterbox rating rating for this movie? I think I gave it two and a half stars, nice. which is a little generous. I'd probably knock mm-hmm. that down to two. Uh, the nice. first one, if I think I gave it three and a half, but I think I'd actually bump it up to four. Yeah. Um. So the two star difference between the two of them. Yeah. Um. Same here. I gave it two stars on Letterboxd. And um, what is your uh ranking of the three segments? Um. I liked uh kind of in reverse order I think. Mm. I think the uh um the hitchhiker was my favorite followed by the raft and then uh old chief woodenhead. Okay. Last. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I would put the raft up top and then uh the hitchhiker and then old chief woodenhead on bottom. Okay. Um yeah, so shall we go into spoilers for Creep Show 2. Yes. All right, I'm going to play a clip from the trailer. Um, another clip from the trailer, and then we are going to go into spoilers for Creepshow 2. So check the timestamps if you want to avoid that or just stop listening or just keep listening. Um, it's <laughs> your choice. Um, so here's a clip from the trailer. What is it? I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know. So don't just sit there. <gasps> I'm going to swim for it right now. Walk. <laughs> Run. Swim if you have to. I got you! 
whatever you do, don't take your time. Because the scares come twice as quickly in... I beat you! Creep Show 2. The scares come twice as quickly because it is like <laughs> half as long. <laughs> um, so yeah, spoilers on for Creep Show 2. Tiny, any broad thoughts that you wanted to talk about in spoilers? We don't really need to go segment by segment. We can just kind of freeball it here. Right. Um, I, I think the weird, you uh, tap danced around the whole mm-hmm. um, basically sexual assault yeah, scene in the raft. In the raft, yeah, was really out of place. It it really was. I I don't I just don't know what the purpose of it was. I, so yeah, I I agree. And I thought it was one of those instances where I was like, did I, did I miss something? Like, yeah, did I miss like a crucial like line of dialogue that had this like that that made this make sense mm-hmm. but i don't think i did and i think i think what they what they were going for and failed miserably at <laughs> i think that they wanted to do something i think that they wanted to pay homage since this is very much an archetype of like 80s teen slashers and stuff mm-hmm. um i think what they were trying to do was pay homage to the over sexualization of those movies okay like Friday the 13th like like basically the the scene or the <laughs> the rules outlined by Randy Meeks in Scream 1 um <laughs> like uh in Scream 2 for that instance just about sexual content in it. Right. So I kind of feel like maybe they were going for that maybe it's it's supposed to be this campy cheesy over the top horror yeah um uh trope thing. Yeah. But also it just it was again inconsistent with the rest of the segment and with yeah. the rest of the movie. It just seemed very just tacked on and, and weird yeah and j- the fact that it was not consensual yeah like if they had in the throes of the moment mm-hmm. if she had decided she wanted to have sex with them and then yeah. d- during the process of them starting to have sex she gets taken over by right. the the blob thing or whatever that would have been so much more organic and made so oh, much more sense but absolutely just the fact that he's he's sexually assaulting her I yeah mean, like he's oh, just yeah. feeling her up while she's asleep right and getting ready to like make a move on her mm-hmm. i just that was so it, weird. It was very gross. Obviously, I'm mean, you know, the, all it, it was it was that, despite the fact that it's wrong and right, he yeah. shouldn't do it and everything, and it probably shouldn't be in the movie because right. it's like I don't know. I, I guess they didn't glorify it or anything, right. but uh, it's just such a strange creative choice. It it really was. And again, yeah. I I don't want to give too much benefit of the doubt to the filmmakers or to the to the intention of the movie because. I, but I do think that it's because I'm. I think of like, um, like uh, Revenge of the Nerds. I don't remember when that came out, but like that has a sexual assault scene. In right. It. Right. Uh, so I think it's just a sign of the times. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it was more acceptable back then. I guess. I, I guess. But also, I don't want to give a pass to it. It's so. right. Right. Yeah. It's still clearly wrong. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say that the that the kind of reveal of her being you know, stuck to the blob, mm-hmm. uh, like her face, uh, through the slats. Yeah. Uh, that was really cool. Sure. 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 Yeah. yeah that liked, was effective. That. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it was, it was, it was icky and, yeah. uh, yeah. Uh, our woke asses in 2021 aren't going to take it. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to have to contact the estate of George Romero and start a boycott of all things George Romero. <laughs> um, and uh whatever the director's name was right um, not um really. it's you know i think one of the other 
things we could talk about in spoilers is the in the first segment, um, Old Chief Woodenhead. Yes. Just the 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 dude with the long hair. Mm-hmm. Just his attitude was weird. Yeah, it was just, all. It was yeah. He, he was so aggressive for mm-hmm. no reason. Absolutely. Like there's no reason to kill the people. Right. And he's uh, ridiculously vain and mm-hmm. like, why do you have to rob these people and get a bunch of money to go out to Hollywood and yeah. become a famous actor? It doesn't yeah. make sense. It's it it's weird to give him that motivation. Yeah. And also, it's it is honestly just poor writing because yeah. All I thought was like, okay, well, the only reason that they are har- harping on this so much is because his death is going to come because of his hair. Like mm-hmm. it's like they are laying that on so thick. Sure. And it just did not work. Yeah. Um, I will say that while that is my least favorite segment and it takes so long to get going and everything, mm-hmm. when they do get when they kill them, I like that surprised me. That was pretty surprising. I yeah. really thought that it was going to be a situation where the where old chief Woodenhead comes to life and saves them. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize it was going to be a revenge thing. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So yeah. I I did I seriously did love the whole like it it was campy and cheesy the 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 effects and everything of the of chief Woodenhead coming to life but yeah. I was fully on board for it like it was so fun and Mm -hmm. i really love that part and just how gory it was and like thankfully he didn't like talk or anything right he just like brutally fucking murdered these three dudes and that was great but again like you Mm -hmm. said it's like 10 percent of the segment yeah like and Um, and i feel like the the structure of that segment was supposed to be that it was it was building toward that because obviously like we know as the audience like okay this this wooden statue is going to come to life like that's what the end game wasn't a hard thing to come not a hard conclusion to come to yeah not at all right but they hold it back so much yeah give us so much just superfluous content yeah and i think that the intention is that like okay well when they do that like when he does come to life that'll be like the big payoff of that and Mm -hmm. it's really just not right it's just like too little too late um yeah yeah i really think overall the movie needed a a fourth segment it needs Mm -hmm. it's it's too i I feel like they tried to take in each segment they tried to just fill in fluff with each one all the extra stuff and Old Chief Woodenhead and mm-hmm. the the um, the the affair and all mm-hmm. that dialogue in the, the Hitchhiker, yeah, and uh, sexual assault. <laughs> sexual assault was a bit of a yeah, a bit of a bus stop. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just I feel like with the fourth segment they could have cut all that crap out and oh, just totally. had to, and it still wouldn't be as good as the first one, and right. there'd be some tonal issues. But mm-hmm. I think it would have improved all three segments, and then we could maybe you know hopefully the fourth whatever story they would have picked would have been good and tight story and fun and totally some fun campiness, and it would have been a a solid second entry. Yeah, but I the, I guess just the studio getting involved and being like, no, we don't want to spend the money on a fourth yeah. segment, so stretch out these three segments into mm-hmm. at least eighty five minutes or whatever yeah it was such a detriment to the movie oh totally and like i feel like i mean they could have done that they could have had a fourth segment and still had that tight runtime like that yeah. that would have been, been a much tighter movie still retain the 90 minute runtime but excise all the superfluous stuff and just use that time for a different segment and totally yeah and it's weird because like i mean i know that you haven't read the cat from hell Mm-hmm. I read it in Just After Sunset, and I'm very curious how, like, I'm very curious about a lot of things about Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, which we'll review next week, but I'm also curious about how that fits in with that, because 
I feel like that could have been the fourth segment of this story and or of this movie. And mm-hmm. that would have worked pretty well in terms of the tone because it is a very bonkers, crazy tone for Cat from Hell. Yeah. So I'm curious. I, I, I just think that that would have worked better. Totally. Um, yeah. There was something. No, I don't think anything really for The Hitchhiker. It was fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what else there was to bring up about it. Yeah. yeah. I thought I had something else, but... Um, no, I may have been thinking of, uh, old chief Woodenhead with the, uh, the murder of the people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. Anything else for spoilers? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, again, the, the frame story, the, oh, yeah. the kid at the end luring the bullies into the, mm-hmm. where the, the meat eating plants were yeah. was cool. Yeah. But oh, again, yeah. just, it wasn't, it wasn't an earned, wasn't really an earned I, payoff. I agree. Um, like, why not make, I understand, like, I, I, and I did like the implementation of the, like, live action creep. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. And it being Tom Savini is really cool, too. Yeah. But, I mean, make the bullies part of that first opening scene. Yeah. And make it be. Right. Like, make it be the thir- the through line for it mm-hmm. so that when you have the Venus f- flytrap stuff. Yeah. Like, that is paying off. Because, like I said, that. The bullies don't come in until like halfway through the damn movie. Yeah. And I understand they had budgetary thoughts because mm-hmm. animation is a lot cheaper than shooting something live action. Right. But like, I think it would have been fun to see the, the campiness yeah. of them trying to do live action yeah. man eating plants. Like, it probably would have been really fun. Yeah. Um, like, and have that be the King cameo. <laughs> like, have, yeah. have him repl- reprise his role from the first movie and have that <laughs> oh, be. Yeah. Totally. Man, that would have been cool. Well, yeah, Tom Savini making making man-eating plants. Oh, yeah. Functional, actual. That would have been fun. I think. Oh, yeah. Who oh, knows? Yeah. But Yeah, it's it's a shame. Yeah. It is a shame. It's a shame um, how far they fell on the second yeah. one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So I think we've talked out Creepshow 2. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, no parting thoughts, Tiny? Nah. Okay. Yeah, same here. So that's our review of Creepshow 2. I can't in good conscience recommend it, but definitely check out Creepshow 1. Um, definitely. That's a fun-ass movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So next week, we've we've talked about it and everything. Next week, we are not going to be doing Creepshow 3 from 2006, I think, because that movie has nothing to do with Stephen King. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is apparently pretty much a garbage movie. So instead, we're going to be covering Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, which is a spiritual kind of successor to Creepshow 2. Um, so that is what we're going to be doing next week on the podcast. I believe that Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, is streaming on Cinemax. Hmm. So uh, check it out there. Um, and yeah, in the meantime, oh, oh, in addition to that, we're also going to be talking about the two Stephen King written episodes of tales from the dark side the series which unfortunately i don't think that show is streaming anywhere mm-hmm. uh so we're going to be talking about the word processor of the gods and um oh man what is the other oh uh sorry right number <laughs> uh, or sorry wrong number sorry right number no sorry right number um which that's an interesting thing because the teleplay for that is in a uh, skeleton crew or one of the one of the collections like the actual like teleplay of it hmm. um so it's it's interesting so cool. anyway so that's what we have on the docket for next week on tower junkies um just want to say thank you guys so much for listening to us and everything and once again check out patreon patreon.com slash obsessive viewer 
Uh, Tiny. Yep. Any any thoughts for our dear listeners? Nope. Okay. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, yeah, that is about it. That'll do it for this week's episode of Tower Junkies. Long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. At, a, at any time in your life, have you collected anything? Oh. Aside from DVDs and Blu-rays? Um, yeah. So when I was a lot younger, I actually collected... um. Not baseball cards, but I collected, like, um, they were these, like, Marvel, um, like, uh, superhero cards. Like, I wasn't into comics or anything, but, like, Mm -hmm. the daycare that my brother and I went to, we, we had a a friend who's, uh, he's same age as our brothers, I think. Okay. Um, and he was really into them, Mm -hmm. and, like, uh, we were really into, like, the X-Men, animated series and oh, yeah. Batman Spider-Man animated series. We we didn't really weren't familiar with the comics or anything, but mm-hmm. we loved those shows and then this friend we had his mom like every week on Friday would buy him a pack of these cards. Nice. And he would like show them to us and <clears throat> I think it was 5 or 10 cards per pack. I can't I can't remember, but it's a little cellophane wrapper pack of cards. Sure. And it was always Marvel or X-Men or Spider-Man or something like that. And wow. so we got into them and we started collecting them too. Um, and we had like the binders, oh, yeah. you know, where you put them in the sleeves and stuff. And mm. um, I probably, I probably had a couple hundred of them. Wow. And there was, I mean, I was probably between the ages of like six and 10 maybe okay. when I was into this. Um, and then I, I ended up getting rid of them just cause I didn't want to hang on to them anymore. But there yeah. was like, there were like six or eight of them that I held on to cause they were like rare and valuable. Oh yeah. And I remember one of them was, um, it was 1953 Sandy Koufax. No. Rookie card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, no, it was, um, it was Eddie Brock turning into carnage for the first time and like the symbiote like dripping on his arm and he's like holding it up and it was like Mm -hmm. it was like a 3d card so like there was texture to it and everything so like the symbiote had like texture on it and it was it used some kind of special paint so it was like it looked kind of metallic-y it was a coolest fucking card nice i I had it till i was like in high school and i don't remember what i did with it tower junkies is edited and produced by matt hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com for a full archive of our episodes, go to towerjunkiespod.com slash archive. You can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash towerjunkiespod and follow us on Twitter at towerjunkiespod. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is just a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at towerjunkiespod.com slash donate or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com. 
For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at obsessiveviewer.com and on Twitter at obsessiveviewer. You can also find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and ovanthologypod on Twitter. Finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. Music for the podcast is provided with permission from Fingers T on YouTube. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. Kitty!